This podcast is brought to you by Recontract, the leading software to automate your reconditioning process. From vehicles to people to parts, Recontract streamlines every touchpoint in your recon process. Visit recontract.com to learn more. That's R-E-C-O-N-T-R-A-C.com. Want to dive deeper into the topics you hear about on Daily Drive? We're offering listeners a special offer, 20% off a one-year Automotive News digital subscription. That gets you access to all of our news, information, and analysis made for automotive industry leaders like you. Go to autonews.com slash daily drive promo to redeem. Welcome to Daily Drive for Tuesday, January 9th, 2024. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. And I'm Kellen Walker. We're coming to you from CES in Las Vegas. Today on the show, Kia launches a commercial vehicle line here at CES. One firm says EV demand hinges on reducing the cost of operating those vehicles. And China dethrones Japan as the world's top auto exporter. Plus, Bloomberg analyst Kevin Tynan joins the show here from CES to talk about what he's seeing at the show and what it says about the state of the industry in early 2024. You know, this is in large part an auto show, but it is a consumer electronic and technology show. So maybe get out there and be a little bit different. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Kia will develop a series of modular electric vehicles. The South Korean automaker showed off four commercial concepts here at CES. The line is part of Kia's future mobility strategy called Platform Beyond Vehicle, or PBV, which Kia is also spinning off into a new business unit. Kia CEO Ho Sung Song says the PBV business represents its vision of going beyond the traditional concept of automobiles to fulfill the needs of different customers. Our decision to pioneer the creation of this new mobility space was shaped by the many external changes happening around us, as well as our customer-centric business approach. Kia showed three PBV concepts, the PV5, PV7, and PV1. The dedicated PBV business will center on the PV5, which will launch in 2025 for all markets. It will be one of the 15 EVs Kia said it will deliver globally by 2027. In other CES news, Goodyear says it's developing a product for electric vehicles that it says will help improve the life of tires. That's something that has hampered EVs' competitiveness against gas-powered vehicles. EVs weigh more than their internal combustion counterparts with their heavy battery packs, putting more wear and tear on tires. Goodyear hopes to improve that with its new Electric Drive 2 product that it's revealing here in Las Vegas. Its first iteration of the tire came with a 60,000-mile warranty. According to Kelly Blue Book, the average EV tire typically needs to be replaced after 30 to 40,000 miles. Goodyear expects the tires to be commercially available in North America starting in May. Tire duration is hardly the only issue hampering EV adoption. Consulting firm Deloitte says the U.S. electric vehicle transition largely depends on reducing vehicle operating costs for consumers. That's based on Deloitte's 2024 Global Automotive Consumer Study. Deloitte said 66% of U.S. respondents ranked lower fuel costs as their top reason for switching to an EV, compared with 53% who noted environmental concerns. And according to new estimates, China has overtaken Japan as the world's largest auto exporter. That's according to the China Passenger Car Association. 
The group says China's light vehicle exports jumped 62% to a record 3.83 million last year. Japanese customs data showed passenger car exports at 3.5 million in the first 11 months of the year. Those numbers don't count secondhand vehicles. Meanwhile, China is no longer General Motors' largest market. GM's China sales dropped nearly 9% to 2.1 million last year. That makes the United States the automaker's biggest market for the first time in more than a decade. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, the U.S. is now GM's number one market beating out China. How did the U.S. take back that top spot? You know, GM sales were up in the U.S., but honestly, it was more about the decline that they've seen in China. You know, at one point, GM sold 4 million vehicles a year in China. Now they're down to about 2 million. A lot of that is because they really they don't have affordable EVs. They don't have cheap EVs, uh, which China is full of now. And they also don't have hybrids. GM abandoned hybrids in favor of an EV only strategy, uh, but they're still trying to figure out how to get good at making EVs. Gotcha. Coming up, Bloomberg analyst Kevin Tynan joins the show here at CES. That's next on Daily Drive. Across the Hendrick Automotive Group, each store had a different reconditioning process. They started looking for a solution that would help them standardize their processes, give them actionable information, and ultimately drive efficiency. Knowing they needed to bring together all pieces of their operation to cut cycle times down to their goal of three days, they chose Recontract. Chris Little, Vice President of Variable Operations, explains why having the tools to measure your recon process gives you what you need to manage it more effectively. Everyone knows speed uh, to the front line uh, equates to more turns, which helps the overall company do better in terms of parts service and inventory bias. And so uh, when you can really take the time to measure and manage that uh, and perfect that, uh, you're going to increase your turns, you're going to increase your gross profit, and you're really just going to increase the amount of used cars you can sell uh, because you're getting them out on the front line. Interested in learning more? Don't miss Recontract at NADA 2024. Stop by booth 3157W or visit info.recontract/nada for more information. That's info.recontrac.com/nada. Daily Drive is kicking off the new year by reviving an old name in a new format. We're bringing back a weekend drive edition of Daily Drive. Jamie and I will go deeper into the biggest automotive stories of the week. Every weekend, you'll hear fresh insights, analysis, and what has me running hot, if not overheated. To think that's going to get done in a year, a little over a year, is um, foolishly optimistic. That's, that's a little dark, but let's shift <laughs> to something a little more positive. You'll also hear from our experts in the newsroom here at Automotive News about the latest industry trends and topics. EV sales are not declining. That's the narrative we're kind of seeing outside of the industry. They aren't declining, but the pace of growth definitely has slowed. Come back this weekend for our Weekend Drive edition of Daily Drive. And of course, tune in every weekday for all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. Kevin Tynan is an automotive industry analyst with more than 20 years of research experience. He's here at CES in Las Vegas, and he joins me now to talk about what he's seeing here. 
Kevin Tynan. Welcome to Daily Drive. Thank you very much. Always great to see you, Jamie. Yeah, it's good to see you. So we're here at CES. Uh, a lot of activity. Uh, it's the start of a new year. Uh, yesterday, I was at the Hyundai press conference. They talked a lot about new ways to make hydrogen. Of course, they want to be able to use hydrogen in their uh, fuel cell trucks and such. Uh, and a few other companies were talking about hydrogen. Um, what what do you think that is when there's so much? I mean, today it's all EVs. It's it's uh, you know Honda, Sony Honda, uh, the Kia work trucks that are battery powered. Uh, but why why would Hyundai be talking about hydrogen at this time? Yeah, and I think in an, and especially at an event like this, we've been at shows and CES and auto shows and SEMA and all these things where it's all been EVs for probably the past five seven years. Um, so maybe there's a little bit of, hey, let's show something different. You know, this is in large part an auto show, but it is a consumer electronic and technology show. So maybe get out there and be a little bit different. I'm not sure that hydrogen, the answer is from passenger vehicle on out. I feel like that's a technology just because of the infrastructure uh, that you'll start in long haul trucking um, where you have fixed routes and you can put you can put recharging infrastructure at each end and, you know, and then manage your fleet that way. And, and then as affordability comes in and uh, resources and infrastructure make the technology a little bit more affordable and cost effective, then it comes down into the passenger range. So I would say this being sort of a futurist show, you come in with your with your hydrogen things and say like, hey, here's somewhere we could go. I think the other thing too, like I said, is that Hyundai, Kia, you know, the Japanese manufacturers probably are not going to be seen as leader in EV technology. So you kind of jump ahead to say, like, here's some of the next thing we're 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 doing that we're doing the EV thing. Obviously, there's a lot of product coming to market on the electric side. But here's what else we're doing, looking either further out on the road. Yeah, that makes sense. And Hyundai uh, also kind of described it as, um, you know, uh, batteries for passenger cars, at least for now, and then uh, and and really the fuel cell is a lot more effective with the heavy trucks. And then there's also been interest in um, hydrogen combustion, although they didn't talk about that yesterday. I think Bosch maybe did. Right. Yeah. So so again, and I think that when you have companies talking about the the scope of climate issues and 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 you know carbon reduction. It, I think that's what you're getting is a lot of different solutions and, and especially from the Asia-based manufacturers and saying, hey, look, there's going to be a place for a lot of these different technologies and there's probably not a silver bullet ready tomorrow that will get us where we want to go in terms of sustainability. But here's all the different things that we're working on that will bridge from here to there, I think. All right. Well, again, uh, about Hyundai, you know, last year they surpassed Stellantis as the world's fourth largest auto group. Uh, Stellantis with its many, many brands <laughs> now, um, it really feels like they're um, cutting back a little. Maybe it's just, um, you know, I'm in the media business and we always say when, when companies are worried about the economy, the first thing they cut is their marketing. But we're seeing Stellantis, you know, they, they pulled out of the LA Auto Show at pretty much the last minute. They're not here at CES where they've been a big presence in recent years. They're not advertising at the Super Bowl. They're pulling out of other auto shows. Is is Stellantis in a, a crisis or are they just being prudent? Well, I think, look, they've sort of 
refocus that product portfolio, especially in the U.S. I mean, it's Jeep and Ram, right? And 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 that's what they're going to bat with. And uh, you know, maybe there's a little bit of dearth of new product mm-hmm. coming. You know, the the plug-in, the four by e stuff started to do pretty well, and I mm-hmm. think is getting some momentum. Um, but the other brands really are just out of the spotlight. And I think that they're going forward with their bread and butter, their profit makers. And and I think it feels a little bit like 2008, 2009, not in terms of crisis and bankruptcy, <laughs> but I think that was a period too, where you had automakers because of your cost structure that you had to go to your go-to products. And the problem was in that time frame that we're talking full frame trucks. You know, there were very few crossovers and fuel economy wasn't what it is today. So when gasoline prices spiked, they all got kind of hung out to dry with not product to move down market for a consumer that wanted something more fuel efficient. It feels like that in this case with with Stellantis, that Jeep and Ram are our best products, volume, price and margin, all in these two brands. Um, and this is what we have to do going forward. And it may be a little bit of a lull in the product portfolio, um, but I think they're just don't, not seeing a way forward in, look, they've been out of cars for a long time, yep. except for that LX platform, which you know, just, just was just discontinued. So, so I think there, there's a little bit of, okay, what's the, next, what's the next step? Where do we go from here? And I think that you know, this pre-pandemic period the pandemic period, and now we're starting the post-pandemic period. Well, let's talk about that. We're just starting a new year. Yeah. Uh, a lot of projections for you know, slower growth, uh, slower growth in the overall market, slower growth in the EV market, uh, still concerns with higher interest rates or relatively high interest rates. Uh, what's your outlook for this year? Yeah, so I think if you look at it in the in the three stages of the auto industry, right? You have that pre-pandemic period, and let's call it 2019 and earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, overproduction, um, you know, oppressive cost structures, and that was overproduce. Keep the production line going, capacity utilization high, and then we'll figure out how to sell it tomorrow. Whether it's discounting, incentives, lease deals, whatever it winds up being, we'll figure that out. Right, then you go to the pandemic period, right? And production stops and supply chains get disrupted. And we naturally or not, we get supply in line with demand. And the impact on pricing and margin was spectacular. It was unprecedented, really. And so I think that period has just ended at the end of 23, right? Where you were getting increasing volume, you were getting more mix to truck from car, so higher pricing, more content, more technology, you're getting better margins, all three at the same time. And I think 2024, the industry recouples in terms of the volume versus margin dynamic. And where pre-pandemic 2019 and earlier was unsustainable in terms of production levels and margin, and the pandemic was unsustainable and really low inventory, but great margins, it's sort of decision time. It's crossroads for the manufacturers to say, we can't go back to you know, fewer than a million units on the ground in inventory, but we really don't wanna go back to four million on the ground either. And we're somewhere in the middle. And I think this is the year that it's determined 
you know, does somebody disrupt it and start lowering prices and we get into just this all out production battle again and all the pricing power goes away. I, I argue that that probably couldn't happen because those products don't exist like they did before, <laughs> right? You know, you look at Ford, there's one car left, Mustang, yeah, yeah. right? GM, similar story. You Not know? a lot of com competition in right. that segment either. Right, right. You know, so, so if you're looking for Ford to move down market to capture entry and move up buyers, there's no Focus, there's no Fusion, there's no Fiesta, there's no Taurus. They just don't exist anymore. And that's similar to the, I think, the Stellantis story with Jeep and Ram. It's like, this is the core product. This is what we're going with. Well, yeah, we'll see how the industry does with its discipline. It's That was not anything they were known for in the before times. Uh, but having learned the lesson and the benefits, uh, maybe this will be the year. Yeah, well, and I think that the the being undisciplined in terms of production was just a function of your fixed cost structure right yeah. and you think about the legacy costs involved in healthcare and the union pensions and things like that and a lot of that got rationalized through the bankruptcy period um you know so the i and then i think glimpsing what margins could be again unsustainable in the pandemic period but seeing what supply and demand in line could do for your income statement was eye-opening as well. I don't think anybody believes it would stay there or that was sustainable either, but I think it, it after decades and decades, showed manufacturers and even dealerships what it meant to be disciplined and to have those things a little bit more in balance. Um, and then think about this, you know, at the peak 2016, 17 and a half million units, um, and then where we are now, let's call it mid 15, 16 million. You don't have to find that extra million, million and a half buyers and throw money at them to get them to take your product. So, you know, yeah, no pent up demand, but it's a lot easier to find good buyers at higher price points when you don't have to pull in people as many, you know, climb the wall of worry, we say, you know, pull people from the sideline to get them to buy your output, you know, because you're, you're overproducing to cover your costs, and it's just a vicious cycle in terms of your profitability. Uh, so, so I think a, a comfortable 16 million unit market at this $48,000 average transaction price, the revenue pool is actually growing. You know, the profit mix is improving, and profitability is still solid. It's certainly not margin-wise what it was at, during the pandemic, but it's way better than what it was you know, back in the day. I'm sure they would love to sell 16 million vehicles at MSRP. Right, right. <laughs> you know, look, and that 2022 was a year of, you know, you, over MSRP and yeah. for everybody, you know, and as long as we've been doing this and looking at these companies, you know, maybe a Rolls Royce or a Ferrari over MSRP for a couple of months, yeah. the entire industry and every automaker, <laughs> it's just crazy. I mean, and again, unsustainable, but I, again, eye-opening in the sense that you could see what actually rationalizing output relative to where demand organically is, what that does for, for the entire value chain. You know, maybe the consumer misses out because fewer, I, I wouldn't call them affordable, but fewer lower priced or entry level or move up. But there's always be somebody to satisfy that end of the market. Kevin Tynan is an analyst with Bloomberg Intelligence. Thanks so much for joining me today. My pleasure, Jamie. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer, as well as our own Carly Schaffner, George Wycamp, and Yang Jang for their reporting for today's podcast. 
you can get the latest news on CES, electrification, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow for my conversation with Aruna Anand, CEO of Continental's automotive business in North America. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.